Welcome back to Network One on One, where we sit down a couple of people who may or may not have met each other and talk about their paths and what they may have in common and try to find some synergy between them. A lot of you guys understand the unselfishness and the importance of networking, and that's what this show is all about. So we test me a little bit and find out if I can put together two people who definitely should meet. In this episode, I believe I did. Margie Malik, a former Teacher of the Year, sits down with Jeff Spanier, also a former Teacher of the Year. Margie Malik is with Kids for Peace and Kindness Certified Companies. She is a retired teacher, but doing great things. She has a great story about how she got into teaching. Jeff Spanier has a complete opposite story, which makes it so fun. He is still currently a teacher, but also one of the hosts of the I Like Beer, the podcast. They tell some amazing stories. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Please sit tight for Margie Malik and Jeff Spanier, Network One-on-One. Okay, introductions. Name, occupation, years in your field. My name is Margie Malik, and I am the Kindness Certified Company Director for Kids for Peace. And I've been doing this all of about eight months. However, I am a retired school teacher of 37 years and just retired in June of this year. Congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Jeff Spanier. I'm a teacher for 29 years. Uh, high school teacher, English and Avid. I'm also co-host of I Like Beer, the podcast, and do all, I wear a lot of hats at my school, so I'm an announcer for our sporting events and all kinds of fun stuff. And I've got a network one-on-one. It's a small world. When my daughter was in kindergarten, circa 2004 or so, five, um, Miss Jill would put on the plays, Jill McGanigal, for the kindergartners and first graders. And she came and said, I've got an idea for kids, for having a club for the kids to talk about fun stuff and peace in the world and sing. And she came to me and said, one of your high school students has applied to be an intern. And I don't know if she'll be helpful or if she'll just be in the way. I've got some plans. Was that Danielle? Can you tell me about Danielle Graham? Oh my gosh, that's I, incredible. Whose co, your credit is co-founder of Kids for Peace. And what I told Jill was, if you invite Danielle into your club, she will take it over and it will be bigger <laughs> and better than you ever thought it was going to be. Oh my gosh. Uh, and now it's an international phenomenon that's doing amazing things all over the world. And, and, uh. And it all started with Jill and Danielle at Carlsbad High School? Yes, uh, Danielle was at Carlsbad High, and, and Jill and I talked about this around the corner at Magnolia wow. Elementary School as I was picking up my daughter who went to kindergarten with her daughter. That is yes. absolutely incredible. <laughs> <laughs> what a small world. So you're, you're in great company. That's a, that's a great place to be. Yes, yes. Wow. When did you know that you wanted to be a teacher? I knew that I wanted to be a teacher um, when I was 14 years old. I am the youngest of seven children. And what I wanted more than anything else was a little brother or sister, and I never got it. (laughs) So I decided 
the summer of my freshman year, I was 14 years old and I decided, you know what, I'm going to have a play school in the summer around my neighborhood. So I decided to go gather up the children around the neighborhood, bring them back to my house, back to my house and do some really fun activities with them. Take them to the park, feed them snack, play relay games. And um, so I know this is really dating me, but I charged 50 cents for three hours, not 50 cents an hour, but 50 cents for three hours. And I had about number to prorate. I know, but this was back in the 1970s. (laughs) And so like I would make five dollars every day because I had like 10 kids in my in my group. And um, so there was one girl in particular that I absolutely adored. Her name was Becky and she was in a wheelchair. And here she was very limited. She had muscular dystrophy. So she didn't really have full use of her body. And so she was um, so limited in her abilities, but her heart and her spirit was so, were so beautiful and just so loving and kind and inclusive. And um, I would park her up against the grass and she'd watch the kids be running around playing their games And she'd look up at me and she'd go, Margaret. And I'd say, yes, Becky. And she'd be like, I love you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to work with these incredibly special people. So I went to um, Illinois State University and got my bachelor's degree in early childhood education and then got my master's degree in special education. And um, it's been a calling and my passion for 37 years. How about you? Uh, my path was a little different in okay. that uh, I had a rough time in high school, uh, mostly home. All the things that shouldn't happen to a kid at home were happening or did happen. So when I left high school, the last place I wanted to be was back at school. Mm-hmm. Did Worked a couple jobs. One was roofing in the summer. Some of my friends were coming back from their college experience, and they sounded like they were having a lot more fun than I did. So I, I went out to Palomar College just as... Kind of sit in on some classes, end up signing for, up for some, did not do well. I did not have any of the, you know, I had been told by my high school counselor that I was not college material and I should not have that on my list of things I might want to do. And my mother had agreed. So <laughs> it really hadn't been on my mind, but uh, figured some things out, was forced to take a class that taught you how to be a student. And in a short three and a half years, I got my two-year degree at Palomar College. <laughs> That's I awesome. had a learning curve. Congratulations. Uh, went over to San Diego State <laughs> and, and at that point realized I could be a very good student and just loved taking classes. I had no plan. I had no major. I just wanted to take class. I was paying for it all myself. And I figured as long as I'm okay being poor, I can take class. I can be here forever. And I got called in by a advisor, an academic advisor that said, Jeff, if you pick a major, we can finish this up. You've been here a while. <laughs> and I think I had started a new semester and a student walking in the class thought I was the professor. And that was kind of my call of maybe it's mm. time to think about next steps. <laughs> and then as a counselor had said, you know, what do you want to major in? I haven't, you know, maybe philosophy, you know, something in the humanities, maybe English. And like, well, you already have and you've taken all the classes you can have a degree in English. I mean, well, I, I kind of want to have an emphasis in American lit. You have an emphasis in American lit, British lit, and writing. <laughs> Just sign here as English major, and you can be, and you get a degree. So 
But I, I signed it and I said, great, now where do I sign up for my next semester classes? And they said, oh no, now you have to go to grad school and here's the applications. For, and that cost a lot of money. Yes, so, yes. Perfectly in alignment with what you wanted to do yeah, though, right? I, <laughs> to keep I, going I to school and learning. It did, but I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was already pretty well in debt for that time. And went back to the counselors and said, you know, I need to, you know, I was thinking about law school and even the test to start that process was out of my range of, of what I could afford. Uh, my mother had never said I was a very good educational investment. So she wasn't adding anything to the, to the pile. And they said, look, someone just dropped out of the student teaching program. Uh, so they're looking for a replacement. It starts in like two days. Here's the, th- you can go interview with Dr. B at San Diego state and see, see what he thinks. And you need to bring a copy of your high school transcript. I'm like, oh, no, I'll bring my college transcript. And they said, no, they would like you to bring your high school transcript. Said, well, this is not going to be good. But I went, <laughs> I, I sat down with Dr. B and he said, you know, this is not, mm-hmm. you are not fitting our normal, but we do. <laughs> Profile, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> of, a, of a good candidate. But tell us why you're interested. And, and really, the only reason I was interested, it was a way to defer my loans. But I knew that wouldn't be the proper answer. I don't know what I said, but I was chosen. Um within two days of starting the program, I was in love with it. And mm. I thought, why did I not know this is what I, w- I mm. was supposed to do? And yeah. it really was like a two day turnaround from being wow. someone who's a little bit cynical, who's got a little imposter syndrome. I, I don't want to be here. I don't need it. I'm here to push off my loans. And then I love this. So and you I were realized, guided to, I realized that seven and a half yeah. years to get a four-year degree was for a reason. Uh, <laughs> I've been in every kind of classroom, great teachers, good teachers, mm. bad teachers, you know, uh, where you had to teach yourself and, and, you know, every kind of learning environment. I can put that to some use. And so I fell in love with it right away. Oh, and yeah. then by my nature, I, I'm a little self-competitive. And then I had to be the best I could be at it once I decided it was go time. Nice, <laughs> nice. Okay, what has changed about school throughout your years of teaching? <laughs> <laughs> the philosophical shift from teaching about teaching subject matter to teaching skills was revolutionary in my early days as a teacher. Jeff Spanier, yes. that's you. Well, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me go. <laughs> that's awesome. We, we actually had a little in the, uh, in the green room. We yes. had a, a chance. Our, our conversation just sort of went this direction. A little bit that good teaching and great teaching requires the flexibility to change because the kids are going to change. Culture changes. What skills are needed from students mm-hmm. are going to change. And, you know, as department chair of the English department, one of the things that would just drive me crazy is when teachers would come in, good hearted teachers, good teachers, and say, these kids can't do what blah, blah, blah. students yes. used to be able yes. to do. Yes. And my immediate thought uh. was, then why are you teaching them the same way? <laughs> if you already identified they can't do those things. Right, right. And also, what can they do? Because they can also do some things as a students of the past couldn't do. Um, it's a different skill set. Not completely different, but it's, it's shifted. Yes. And the teaching has to shift with it. Well, and, think about what school was like when we were in school. Right. Everybody sat in straight rows. At least this is the school Mm -hmm. that I went to. Everybody sat in straight rows. It was the teacher standing and delivering. There was no cooperative learning. There was no interaction between the kids. And it was boring. One of the reasons why I became a teacher is because I hated school so much. I don't I don't have one favorite teacher, not one from my lifetime 
that I can say, wow, I really felt like that person saw me, believed in me, um, encouraged me to, you know, become what I became. Not one person. And so I was like, I am going to do that. I am going to become a teacher and I'm going to see every single one of my students in my classroom. I am going to let them know how important they are, how valuable they are. And I'm going to figure out how they learn and make sure that I teach in a way that they can learn. And I'm going to make it really fun. <laughs> well, you think even 15, 20 years ago, rote memory was still a, an enormous <laughs> part of, at least in by high school, an enormous part what they're doing in a biology class and a any class, really, even English vocabulary and, and parts of grammar. And what's the point of rote memory now? Everybody has every answer in their pocket in a millisecond away. Let's use that same brain power for some higher level thinking than coughing up yes. a, a date or identifying a, a you know, participle. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's so it went from this really rote learning, stand and deliver, right, to <clears throat> um to um, more interactive, cooperative learning, quantum learning, which we talked mm -hmm. about. We were both trained in quantum learning, and that's amazing to me too. And and now we're shifting to okay. So we had these great uh, teaching methodologies methodologies based on brain research. Now what are we going to do with all of the information at their fingertips? How can we help them to synthesize that information information and apply it? to real world problems so that they feel really invested in their education and making a difference in the world. You think about if it didn't change a 30 year plus career in teaching is a, is a long groundhog's day yeah. of the <clears throat> exact same thing from class to class year after year. Oh. Thank goodness it changes, Yes, but you have to have that flexibility to recognize the change coming, accept it and then adapt. Teaching Abbott and developing future leaders. I get to do that. You do get to do that. And it's so interesting because that was one of the things that I wanted to do before I finished my career was to become an Avid teacher in middle school or high school. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do that, but you are that. So talk about that. I, when I first <clears throat> took over the Avid program at my school, Carlsbad High School, uh, we saw that 100% of our students were being accepted to four-year colleges. We got a big award. We got to go stand on a stage. I think we got a grant or something for it. It was pretty exciting. But if you looked a little deeper, the number of them that were finishing college mm. wasn't as good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was dismal. And we sort of had to have a philosophical, sh philosophical shift. Our goal shouldn't be to get them into college, but through college. Uh, the, the goal should be that they have opportunities after high school and have the skill set in place. And that's where AVID went through some changes. I was given a little autonomy on what I wanted to do with the program. And I said, let's make it a leadership course. Uh, let's train in leadership skills. Let's bring in guest speakers that can share their, not secrets for success, their habits for success. And let's approach this whole class as we're preparing you for the rigor of college, but we're actually preparing you to be a leader of your own life because you have to do that first <laughs> and then be able to step in. And I always tell them you're going to have a leadership role somewhere in the company you work for, the company you run, the family you live in that you're a part of, in your friend groups. You know, there's all different kinds of ways you're going to have leadership responsibilities and opportunities. And that has made all the difference in teaching that talking about shifting and changing 
that that's is shifting the, the paradigm. That makes the class exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> How so? How does that make it exciting? Because I get to go look at, I, I don't like a static curriculum. Yeah. I, I'm a little, mm-hmm. the idea of having a textbook that I use for 12 to 15 years till they replace the textbook and I start on page w- chapter one and I get to <sighs> near the end uh, each year doesn't really work Mm-mm. for me. I get to go out and I meet people and I say, hey, what do you do from 930 to 1030? You want to come by Carlsbad High School and talk to my kids and share them you know, what you do as a career yes. or what obstacles you faced and some of what you've learned in your navigating of said obstacles. Um, I'm, you know, if I'm watching 60 Minutes, I'm reading a newspaper uh, article. I'm looking. That's a leadership moment. There's a lesson here. Nice. There, this is about course correction. You know, I'm, I'm going to show this. I see a movie. I'm like, oh, that's totally an avid movie. I can use that. And sometimes they're silly and goofy, and sometimes they're quite serious. And we also move into, now I do teach 11th and 12th graders, so I can front load them with some of our conversations are going to be very real and straight, because we talk about culture, we talk about society, and we Mm -hmm. talk about realities on the ground, um, underrepresented groups, which is AVID is trying to make sure that some of these underrepresented groups, that's a wide spectrum of students, um, Let's talk about one of the th- some of the things that have created this systematic problem, obstacle, and how do we navigate it from there? So it's, it's all pretty exciting. Yeah. It's very grown yeah. up, and I think the students feel that way. Yes, absolutely. We're here to interrupt your regular podcast listening and ask you to join us at Odd Pairing Podcast. Yes, it's Paige and I, and we are here every week now on Fridays. And we talk about adult beverages in the community, a little bit of the history of it, and we're just going on a nice little journey. And you can hear other people's drinking stories. So why wouldn't you wanna listen? That's the best part. That is the best part. Cheers. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by yourinsuranceplace.com. Owning a business is hard work. You put your blood, sweat, and tears into it every single day. You need a partner who understands the ins and outs of insuring small to medium-sized businesses. For over 40 years, our California Property and Casualty Insurance Agency has insured businesses just like yours. We've seen it all, and we've learned a thing or two about what it takes to keep your business protected. That's why we offer free policy assessments. We'll take a look at your policy and let you know if there are any gaps in your coverage. Let us help you to protect what you've worked so hard to build. Yourinsuranceplace.com The Film Hub is the future of co-working in downtown Vista. Get energized in an inspiring work environment that is built for your success. With multiple membership options for workspace and private offices, you can become a part of our co-working community. The Film Hub makes it easier to produce the professional content your business needs. From video production, live streams, photo shoots, or in-person events, you can create all this and more in our audio and video facilities. Love your work and where you accomplish it. The Film Hub. Tell me about being named Teacher of the Year. Well, that was exciting. That was. I did get treated like a, a prince for for one year. They really <laughs> for the, the county Teacher of the Year. They they county teachers, Teacher of the Year. Teachers Congratulations. Do not, are not used to 
being spoiled swag. Oh yeah. They not said, at all. Everybody take a handbag. And <laughs> I think there was a thumb drive and uh, some other things. And they're like, everybody take one. I'm like, are we allowed to take one? No, no, they're, they're for you. <laughs> There's a laptop. You know, this laptop's for you. Like, <gasps> well, do I sign something? You know, is it discount? They're like, no, it, it's for you. And then every event had cocktails and food. Are we allowed to have any? We are so not, you know, know we are I know. not used Absolutely. to be, you know, Absolutely. going to baseball games and going out on the field and having, you know, it was a very, it was very exciting. Um, at some me. point it needs to be where you start to feel a little ridiculous, like, okay. It's that was still fun. really fun though, going out on Petco Field. <laughs> yes. yes. For the game. That was really fun. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was exciting. But I'm, we're what not. What year? Do you remember what year? I think it was 2009. Okay. Yeah. Very so good. It was, uh, but again, that is so out of our comfort zone. I know. Totally. <laughs> I think I was a teacher of the year in 2015. Um, so it was an honor to be a teacher of the year for my, for my school, but then to be teacher of the year for my district was a whole nother story. And um, I was just so honored to be in the presence of such great teachers. Cause you know, there are so many incredible teachers out there doing wonderful things. They're the unsung heroes. They're, you know, spending their own money. They are so committed to the kids and think about them when they go home and in the middle of the night and how mm. can I reach this kid? And, you know, there are so many of us out there like that. Um, so to be, to receive that honor was such an incredible um, gift yes. to me. And um yeah, I just feel that that's a really special I was, moment. I was also a district, not not, oh, ca- not county. I wasn't county, well, yeah. But when they talk about this, I mean, there's that right. it's sort of a competition, also very uncomfortable for teachers. Oh, so uncomfortable. We're like, we're not businesses. We If we have something that works, we tell everyone. Yeah, that's it, right. It's not a trade secret. It's we like, like this works with kids. Everyone do it. And we, it, rise, and, we raise others up, right? And the county becomes a bit of a competition. Yes. Of, and... It was clear to me as we were going through and meeting the other district teachers of the year, like, well, that needs to be the county. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, those right? three. <laughs> right there. Yeah, they've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty proud of what I do. I know. But no, those three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty spectacular. Yes. So fun. Oh, Kids for Peace and Kindness Certified Companies. I guess that's me. <laughs> so, um, the last year of my teaching was really challenging because we just um, were coming back from COVID. And I just realized that it was time to allow the other teachers, the younger teachers that can really connect with these kids to figure out where we need to go next. And so I felt complete. And I've been on the Kids for Peace board of directors for five years And Jill was talking about the incredible impact that Kids for Peace and the Great Kindness Challenge has had on schools. So we are in 116 countries and 19 million children around the world participate in the Great Kindness Challenge. So the impact of kindness in schools has been incredible. And she saw the impact there and she sees the need. We see the need in our country and in the world for kinder businesses as well. What if we brought kindness back into business? So we decided to partner with um, Brett from the Chamber of Commerce, Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, and we created the Kindness Certified Company Program. 
And back in February, when they were talking about one, really wanting to grow and build the Kindness Certified Company program, they were looking for a person that they could hire as the director. And they said, do you know anybody <laughs> who would be a good fit? So I was like, how about me? <laughs> I'm retiring and I would love to be the Kindness Certified Company director. And so as it turned out, um, they welcomed me with open arms and I've been working on the Kindness Certified Company program ever since. And you may be thinking, well, what is the Kindness Certified Company program? Do you know anything about it? I only know a little, little tiny bit blurb I saw on some stuff Kids for Peace had put okay. out, I think, last week. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Kindness Certified Companies are good to their people, their community, the planet, and the world. And if your business or any business um, meets those four qualities and categories, they can apply to become Kindness Certified. And what they're doing is they're joining this larger initiative, the Corporate Kindness Initiative, because we see the need for kindness back in our world, right? So um, we, uh, when people sign up to be Kindness Certified, um, they get to be on the Kids for Peace website, and we have a huge reach, hundreds of thousands of followers. And they also get to be on the, the Chamber of Commerce kindness page, and they get a beautiful seal. Um, it's kind of certified companies with the year on it. And they can put that seal on their emails. They can put that seal. We have decals, uh, window decals that they can put in their windows to elevate their brand, to let the community know this is a business who's committed to kindness. And we want you to come work with us because, and because you know that we are committed to higher social values. And that, that's going to, you know, business, part of their goal is to make profit, to pay for having the business in your place. And that to give will, back to the that community. That will pay off with younger consumers. Yes. Yes. Because it, it they really are hungry to be part of something larger than themselves. And the easier, the better. So if it's a sticker that's in a right. window and they know to shop there. Absolutely. That's really easy <laughs> for them. Yes. And then we also want to help take Kindness to a new level in your culture. So we send out weekly emails called Kind Acts of the Week. And even if they don't have time to open the email, in the subject line, it has the Kind Act of the Week. Like this, you get a little preview. I haven't sent it out yet for this week. This uh, week's Kind Act is to um, provide a plant for your coworker's desk. And then if you do open up the email, it's a fun little slide on there about the kind act and then a fun fact about that, about that kind act. So the fun fact about having plants in your office is that it actually reduces stress and fatigue. And of course it makes the environment much more beautiful. So, um, so those are some of the benefits that they get. Plus, um, right now, with all of the horrible mass shootings happening in our country, if you look on the news, what is their focus? Their focus is only on the negative things happening. We need to shift the focus to the good things that are happen like happening. Like this week, the Great Kindness Challenge is happening all over. 19 million children around the world are participating and completing 50 acts of kindness. Where is that on the news? Right. So we need to really shift that. And we're inviting businesses to come be kindness certified so that they can take a stand in our country for kindness and in the world. The thread back to the AVID class, we took that week of kindness and 
we turned it in. We used the whole month of February. And I remember asking Miss Jill, I, I still call her Miss Jill because that's what, what the kids called her growing that. up. And uh, <laughs> said, hey, uh, I know the it's a kindness week and it's in Jan. It used to be at the beginning of February and then got moved into Jan. We said, I really need the whole month of February. Is it okay if I do? And she just looked at me like, you can be kind for a whole month on a different month if that meets your needs. Yes. And I felt a little and silly now, for asking for permission. And now but, we have a whole year-long um, kindness curriculum that teachers can download for free at kidsforpeaceglobal.org. So um, so you absolutely hit the nail on the head when you were like, hey, you know, this needs to be longer than just a week. I want it to be a month, you know, and, and now it can be a whole year. We have a whole year's worth of lessons. There's communication in there. There's collaboration, cooperation. There, there's so, so many of the skills that beyond memorization of the old day of old days of schooling that are going to translate to successful relationships. Yes. Academics. Yes. Beyond. So tell me about, <laughs> so, I like beer we're podcast. From a very serious topic. It's just fun. Cause you gotta have fun too. <laughs> I don't mean to say I don't have fun in the classroom. I do have a lot of fun in the classroom, but, um, one of my fellow teachers who I also went to high school with and kind of grew up with in Carlsbad, he and I uh, kind of bonded over both loving to read and drinking good beer. And we were at the Carlsbad campgrounds a few years back and having a chat. And he had brought a few beers he was excited to share. And I had a couple and we were, we just started dreaming and saying, hey, wouldn't it be fun to rent a, a van and drive up? to Northern California and go to Chico to Sierra Nevada and go over to Russian river home of Pliny the elder, uh, you know, icons of craft beer, and then just drive home and hit as many of the tiniest breweries we could find. Wouldn't that be fun? Now I, I like to come up with ideas like that, but I don't ever act on them. <laughs> my partner, my co-host, Jeffrey Catelli. No, he, if you, if an idea is in his head, the, the next morning he called and he had priced out vans and he'd set it up. Our, our, our kids had just gone off to college, so we could use the to go during spring break and visit them at their colleges. Yeah. So it had a we could pretend purpose. to be doing parenting. Another thing. purpose. <laughs> and it was all set up, and some other friends jumped on board, and we were at a sixteen passenger van, and we went to twenty five breweries on the or twenty breweries, I think, on that first one, and then we started doing that every spring break. And one wow. spring break, we just rented houses in a big house in uh, Mexico. And we were very bored because we had no breweries to go to. <laughs> and we just started telling all the great stories we heard. Every time we went to a brewery, mm. we didn't care about how they made the beer. We want to hear the stories. How did you get in brewing? Why is this beer named this? And uh, we started reviewing some of those. And one of us said, we all claimed to have been the one to say it. <laughs> this would be a show. Someone would listen to this. <laughs> and so great beers and the stories that go with them became sort of our through line on I Like Beer, the podcast. I Like Beer, the podcast. And, you know, we have visited with over 100 brewers and breweries and um, got to meet some some superstars of the, of the business and made a lot of new friends and done some traveling around it. And it's just been a blast. We've been doing it three and a half years. And so do you tell the stories of those breweries or do you tell your personal stories it, too? It kind of depends. Sometimes we're yeah. in studio and okay. we picked up beers and we found some stories. So uh -huh. over a great beer, we tell some stories, some things we found in the news or something oh. that's, you know, from our own lives. Or if we bring in a guest, we, we you know, how can we connect? If, if we bring in a brewer, then we want to hear their beer stories, you know? And, yeah. and so we've just, We've always wanted to feel like you pulled up a bar stool and you're and you get to sit in on a conversation 
uh, and enjoy it and laugh a little a bit and and hear about a great beer or two. And and we really try to showcase San Diego and San Diego County. I mean, we live in North County. This this is a great place to be a beer lover. Oh my gosh, <laughs> but, so but, many breweries. But we've been out to Utah and Arizona yeah. and up to British Columbia and all through the Pacific Northwest. So we've done. Do you have a favorite region of oh, beers San Diego. or breweries? Okay. <laughs> And specifically Vista, County, California. Vista. <laughs> you hardly do worse than Vista, California. Do you, you have a place. favorite brewery? Uh, you know, we've made a lot of friends on the podcast. And uh, <laughs> also I have some favorites. Okay, that's good. I'd hate that's to leave good. someone out and ruin that relationship. <laughs> I know, right? But uh But when people ask, it, and that's a common question we get. If I'm coming to San Diego and I only have this much time, where do I go? And we right. say, well, if you're coming to San Diego, you're going to Ale Smith first. If you only have time for one, you're going to Ale Smith. And, and that's where you're going. And if you're up in North County, you know, here's your pecking order, mm-hmm. right? And, and we like to walk them through a pecking order of you're going to be up here and there's, they're so close. You're going to go to at least this many. And so here's your, your order uh, that you're going to go to. So when did you launch the podcast? Three and a half years ago. Three and a half years yeah. ago. And what kind of a following do you have now? We have people, most of our followings are from San Diego, San Diego County, but we have listeners in New Zealand, Poland, we don't know so how thousands? or why uh, the, the New England in New uh-huh. England. Okay. Uh, we don't know how wow. or why. We're, we're, and we love that they're listening. That's amazing. And uh, it's pretty exciting. Wow. On Instagram, we have a whole lot of followers from Japan. And I don't know why, but somehow they've decided that they like beer too. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. What an incredible, inspirational story about how you got started with this you incredible podcast. Gets us together once a week to tell a couple of stories and have a great beer. <sighs> and, and so it's kept our, it's been a bond in our friendship, yeah. especially in COVID when you got a little, we all got lonely. Absolutely. And needed a, so a, did you meet on Zoom then and, and have, we did, your, we did through Zoom. have your beers on yes. Zoom together yes. and tell your stories on Zoom? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Wow, how can they find you and learn more about Kids for Peace? Okay, well, they can find me on LinkedIn at um, Margie Malik, M A R G I M A L E K. And you can also follow the great kind, uh, see, Kids for Peace, the kind of certified companies. Excellent. On LinkedIn. So. And uh, if you would like to email me and find out more information, it's margie at kidsforpeaceglobal.org. M-A-R-G-I, kidsforpeaceglobal.org. Awesome. Well, I'm at Carlsbad High School and I went to high school there. I married my high school sweetheart. So anyone looking for me doesn't have to go very far. I haven't (laughs) haven't left. But through the podcast, I like beerthepodcast.com. Or I like beer the podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram. You can reach out a direct message at I like beer the podcast. Awesome. Well, very nice listening to that. Yes, it was so nice meeting you too. So, do you ever do like public settings like where you meet? We we call them field trips because we're we're high school teachers without drinking podcasts. So, we call it a field trip. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And then, do you invite your listeners to show up? That was in the plans right before COVID happened. Okay. And so, so maybe that's the next we're, step. We're about ready to start that again. Okay. Well, you'll have to let me know and I'll meet you at some fun brewery and try some good beers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>